This is Teresa Clark, the Chairman and Executive Editor of Africa.com, and today we're here to speak with Ian Putter, the Head of Blockchain at the Center of Excellence at Standard Bank. We're going to be talking about how blockchain can ensure that supply chains are free from human rights violations as an example of the sort of things that blockchain is able to do, some of the social good that blockchain does in the world. Now, blockchain first appeared on the scene in 2008 as the virtual ledger that made cryptocurrency like Bitcoin possible. But in recent years, organizations have started to realize that the technology's transparent and decentralized nature makes it ideal for many other applications. Blockchain has the potential to improve countless areas in need of reform, from counting votes to protecting the environment. And we're gonna talk about some of those ways in which blockchain helps with social good today with Ian. So Ian, thank you so much for taking the time from your busy schedule to speak with us and, and, and talk with us about this topic today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for the invite, Teresa. So, so people may not immediately make the link <laughs> between blockchain and doing social good. Let's just talk a little bit about, you know, just help everybody understand what is blockchain? So a blockchain typically uh, forms part of the subcategory and technology that's referred to as distributed ledger technology. So um, if you look at accounting the way we do it today or for the last 700 years, everybody's got, a, got their own ledger and people validate transactions in a closed loop environment and only there's only a few witnesses. If you look at a distributed ledger that the Bitcoin was built on, that's referred to as a blockchain. Every transaction doesn't have to go through a central authority. It disintermediates, with other words, a lot of the parties that historically provided trust and it ensures trust through a consensus mechanism. Um, and you can define that in many different ways. I don't think it's the purpose of this meeting to go into those. But a consent mechanism is basically very simplified a way to have many witnesses telling you that something is true. And a distributed ledger, what you referred to earlier, is extremely transparent. And that means that people can actually see what is happening. And so when people can see what is happening, what, what's the benefit to people being able to see what is happening? Well, transparency, firstly, if you look at providing of social services, people can see that the money that is allocated to a certain fund or organization, they can see the total pool of funds that's been allocated. Those things are typically disclosed in reports and, it, and you don't always know if you can trust it. And then you can also see how the funds are disbursed and the greatest thing for me is that you, you actually can see the benefits of what is happening with money that's been allocated for a specific purpose. So that is, it, it brings things into the light. So you can think the impact of that on governments, public organizations, if people can see actual pool of funds allocated to provide food and food packages provided at the end of the day by an, at an average cost of, of, of a food parcel, and then you can see that it reached specific individuals. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what transparency brings. The transparency that a decentralized distributed ledger brings. Well, transparency certainly is a core element of social good. And so you can start to understand how transparency would contribute to, to benefits to society in many, many different ways. Let's talk about one that's very important to Africa, and that's the diamond industry. Um, I understand that the diamond industry has engineered 
um, a big turnaround in ethical standards, particularly traceability. So let's talk, can you talk about how this fits into the diamond industry? The benefit of blockchain, whether it's diamonds or any asset that you actually fully digitize, is that the transaction or the underlying asset quality can be assured from the start. So that's what's true for the diamond industry is also true for the food industry. When you put uh, food on the blockchain, from the moment that it's actually mined or sourced, it's, it's, it's quality assured. So you know that this diamond actually meets all the requirements to be rated as a specific type of diamond, clarity, all those kind of things. And then as it goes through the value chain and ultimately ends up in a Rolex or it ends up in a, uh, uh, any jewelry, you can actually trace that diamond back to its origin and you can actually make sure that there were sustainable processes followed to mine it, to transform it. So at every point of transformation on the blockchain, there's a validation that occurs. And that's what I spoke about earlier. The nodes, the people that participate are, are experts in their specific fields, but you also involve audit firms that in real time, as the transformations or the mining happen, validates that what's happening is acceptable and meets very specific standards. Two key components in a blockchain, always, regardless of what you do with it. There's what they refer to as a smart contract. So historically, if you look at Bitcoin, the actual marketplace that connects buyers and sellers is embedded in this ecosystem. So it's an ecosystem and a platform at the same time. And then what it does, it validates and ensure people that they can trust the quality of the diamond or the product or the food that is embedded in this ledger. So the buyer and the seller are connected on a peer-to-peer -peer basis. And then the smart contracts will validate that the transaction, the underlying uh, digital asset, good or service is validated. And then subsequent to all those things happen, happening, the transaction will be broadcasted. That's why it's referred to as a distributed ledger. And many participants, auditors, miners, valuators, all of them will basically look at this transaction and consent that they are happy with what happened there. And only then will it move to the next process. Typically today, we do things retrospectively. If you think of reconciliations or checking things subsequent to anything happening, blockchain is really the fifth generation ledger because before it allows anything to be booked onto the ledger, it pre-validates it, if it makes sense. You know, I'm thinking about one of the examples that you gave around food and distribution of food, for example. So I know from time to time, there will be a huge recall of a particular uh, vegetable or meat, you know, if it's been exposed to E. coli, which is hugely expensive. And in addition to that, um, you, you know, you, you are exposing people because you don't know where it actually came from, where this bag of spinach came from. But when you're talking about using blockchain in a situation like that, I imagine you'd be able to trace each bag of spinach that Willie's is selling back to wherever it was produced and then be able to be more specific and narrow and only recall those that are contaminated. And so is that, is that an example or is that one way in which this might be used in the, in the food distribution that you were talking about? 
Yes, and um, that, that's a, a great example. And we are actually doing it on one of our blockchains in Standard Bank on Food Trust, Biohab. So actually, if you go to Woolworths or if you look at what Walmart did with, with the blockchain, you can actually go into the shop and scan the QR code with your phone. It will tell you exactly the location where the spinach was um, harvested. Um, it will show you how it was transported. It will show you the truck temperature from when it went from the farm and that the farm is authorized as a sustainable farm. So there's just so much information that the blockchain stores for you. And then that specific um, harvest will go into various packets. And then when it goes into the packets and it's washed, it will indicate, it will show you that it used clean water and it will show you how it was transported to Woolworths. You can click on it and you can see all that information. That's powerful. Organic. Yeah. And the temperature. What's a great thing. The quality assurance is you can see the temperature from the moment it was harvested. That that batch um, that your packet of spinach came from was transported every single minute until it reached Woolworths. That's powerful. What other industries are using this technology for social good? Well, the World Health Organization, there's, there's great examples of um, where food distribution, for instance, happened in Africa. And typically what I said earlier, you always heard here that $100 million food aid was provided to Kenya, Uganda, South Africa, many countries across the world. But the funny thing is that you can never actually track the macroeconomic effects. And it's not always clear what the impact of providing those things are. And secondly, that it actually reached all the individuals that it intended to reach. So what blockchain is used for there is that based on your, your ID, your identity, um, you know what happened in a lot of cases is that governments and private companies hijacked these processes and started businesses. And since it's been put on the blockchain, 99.9% .9 of the food reaches the intended um, people that it had to, and, and they, it can be identified on a person-by-person -person basis. That brings a lot of dignity because um, people typically stand in queues to get the food. Now it's very simple. You put your thumb down or they recognize who you are and the food's allocated. No one can take someone else's food. So it brings that structure attracts the food similarly to what we the Woolworths example that we used but yeah it brings dignity and it makes sure that every single person that should get food gets their food it's also applied in the medical industry so blockchain also helps that uh, identity of people to be recorded on this distributed ledger to provide access to them to services that they don't have access to what blockchain is ensure is that Whatever is done is that you always want whatever is done from a social perspective that it reaches its intended source. And I think that's what's ensured. Transparency shows you that the actual donation or social contribution was utilized 99.9% .9 for the intended purpose. It, it disintermediates a lot of these middlemen. And that prevents outright misappropriation and theft. That occurs in the social world. And secondly, the transparency 
the fact that governments and aid groups and large institutions that typically handle these initiatives know that the funds and the products is on an immutable ledger where the flow is transparent, it compels them to act with integrity. And it, and it, and it enables a lot of, uh, actually society, to be able to see what is happening. And I think that's a big problem today in the so from an, from a humanity perspective and from a social responsibility perspective. So I think that's what the benefit of a distributed ledger is. Not a private ledger where no one can see what's happening, but something where lots of people can validate and attest to the fact that this social initiative to actually added value. So it protects the, the weak in a way. That's very powerful. I mean, this listening to you talk about that, I can imagine how donors would be willing to give more money when you have some sort of a disaster. And there's a question as to whether or not the funds or the food or the medicine or the clothes are actually going to reach the intended beneficiaries. But if you could provide assurance to the donors that they could see for themselves where what they gave ended up, that would be a game changer in terms of encouraging donors to give more if you have that level of transparency. Exactly. And, and what blockchain also does, it actually changes or moves us from a world of management, typically where you have a hierarchy of a few people um, controlling things to governance. And governance is wider. It, it, it ensures wider participation. Lots of people want to make a difference, but they can never participate. So here you can unlock potential and participation and collaboration that lots of people can contribute in providing social good. A great thing in blockchain is the concept of programmable money. And that's been used in Europe. And it's also a great opportunity for us in Africa, where if you provide cash, um, uh, social grants to people, and international organizations wants to do that, to your point, they now know that this whole ecosystem is governed and the money will go for its intended course. But if you pay physically programmable digital money to Ian Putter, and you give him 500 rands, that money or token can only be used to buy food or health uh, products. For instance, you cannot go and buy an iPhone or airtime or those kind of things. The programmable money is negotiated with the suppliers for people to give you stuff at a discounted price, but only to give you food or essentials, basically. That's very powerful. Yeah, so a great example is also the sanitary pads where program, um, females can only utilize the tokens to purchase sanitary pads. I think there's a pink initiative in Africa. And it's amazing for me um, when you go to this game and you pay extra, they ask, do you want to contribute two rands or five rands or 10 rands or whatever for sanitary pads for females? So uh, people always donate and you wonder what's happening with this. But if the concept of programmable money is utilized and it's a distributed ledger, you can still um, autonomize the people. You can just see 50,000 females in South Africa received sanitary pads. That's what the benefit of the transparency and the program programmable money is. So tell us about what you're doing specifically at Standard Bank in this area. 
So we're working closely with the um, strategic unit of the bank um, on BioHab, which is an initiative that they're running and they're partnering with uh, MIT and NASA and our Namibian office, where they're actually growing mushrooms that is very nutritious to facilitate um, feeding of, of people across Africa in a very, very affordable way. And then um, the byproducts of this facilitates them to grow bricks, to build sustainable housing, and these mushrooms are actually fed by using alien plants in Namibia um, to facilitate those, those mushrooms to grow. So it's got so many benefits. And that has already been put on the uh, Hyperledger Fabric Food Trust, similar to what Walmart's doing to track and trace. As I mentioned earlier, the mushrooms, uh, the type of mushrooms, um, again, when it's uh, transformed into food, you can track and trace back to where it was harvested, the conditions that it was done under, and that, that will then be distributed in the cheapest possible way and provide that social benefit in Namibia. And we've, they, they physically put it on the blockchain that the underlying infrastructure can be extremely efficient. The transparency, the provenance, the, the traceability, the fact that it can be audited in real time gives people that trust. And there's, there's a lot of interest in people providing uh, contributions or that want to participate on this initiative to drive it across Africa because of the transparency, because of the governance. And, and that is very, very important. Then what we're also working on, which will have major uh, implications for Africa going forward is on sustainability. We're working quite closely with uh, blockchain service providers to build an ecosystem where carbon credits offsets water uh, management and tracking, providing clean drinkable water. All those kind of things will be added to these initiatives to facilitate um, uh, uh, providing people with clean uh, water, um, farmers with water, to facilitate transportation of goods across the continent um, and to enable people that typically don't have access to some products to now get access. Because if you put things on a distributed ledger, it makes it extremely efficient and it provides this capability to democratize services, if it makes sense to you. We're also working on micropayment solutions. We've just completed the POC and that will facilitate in, in, in banking the unbanked and the underbanked. Um, I mentioned identity. We've started the self-sovereign identity solution, and that's going to help once it's live for people to manage their own identities. People that typically couldn't get access to a lot of things will now have the ability to utilize that verifiable identity that people can actually say, oh, this is Ian doesn't matter where you travel in the world because my identity will be independently verified. That will also remove a lot of fraud, but simultaneously give access to lots of people to access financial services, to access medical services, and to be recorded consistently on this distributed ledger. And they can actually, there's also privacy built into these ledgers. Sorry, everybody's going to think everything's transparent. 
you can disclose to people on a distributed ledger what you want them to see. So if your prescription, prescribed medicine or your medical conditions are stored in this ledger, it's in your hands to go anywhere and say to people, have a look. This is the things that I need medication for. And that will also mobilize investments into these platforms to facilitate providing these services to people that today doesn't have access to it. We launched the BRI Africa across Africa to facilitate syndicated research across Africa, to do blockchain research across all the African countries. But to, to have, they do it in a syndicate, that it's not one person or that the research widely available and simultaneously to use that to provide education across the continent that multiple people can get that, can utilize this distributed ledger technology maybe to start businesses or to build their own solutions. And I think the educational part of it's fantastic for me. So that's something that's in the early stages, but we're also very much involved in those kind of things to democratize education and research across the continent. Well, you've said a lot there. I want to follow up on two points that you made. Um, one is you kind of slid in something about financial inclusion. And you know that just seems like a really powerful um, way for this technology to be utilized. And as I'm just imagining, based on all that you've shared with us today, that you could imagine people who are unbanked having access to, um, to, to currencies that would allow them to be involved in, in financial transactions in a way that doesn't exist today. Can you talk a little bit more about how blockchain can contribute to financial inclusion? Yes, so typically, if you look at financial transactions, if you look at remittances where people are transferring money across border, um, a lot of people in small enterprises doesn't have access to cross-border payment facilities, mainly due to the cost. And as I mentioned, the infrastructure, the identity, all those kind of things. So by, by facilitating the self-sovereign identity solutions across Africa and to create a stablecoin or a micropayment solution on a very, very cheap distributed ledger platform, that validates and provides trust and transparency in real time. People that today are not banked, I'm talking about the underbanked, not only the unbanked, can get access to do these peer-to-peer -peer payments. And if they get access to the platform, which will be very simple um, to get access to, and that the efficiencies are you can do zero-cost transactions on some, on some of these solutions. I'm not going to mention specific blockchain solutions but you can actually facilitate close to zero cost transactions cross border in a trusted, transparent manner because you are disintermediating all these huge processes. You can do that on this technology. That's what it actually facilitates. Now some people might ask, why would Standard Bank want to do that? Because isn't that your bread and butter? But remember, you could, there's nothing that you can do. If you look at blockchain and distributed ledger technology, it's also not clever to not recognize the potential of something. Africa at the end is our home and we're trying to drive our growth as a financial institution. So if there's ways that we can apply, business models are going to change significantly over the next 10 years. And I think um, sustainability, I just want to give you a counter argument there. Sustainability 
and uh, looking at the unbanked and underbanked is becoming something crit critical for all of us. Across the continent, we must start looking at sustainable solutions. It doesn't help to ignore the unbanked and the underbanked. Uh, I, I think that we've got a responsibility to start looking and, and ensure people, I, the, the, the topic today is humanity, dignity. Um, the only way that you're really going to help people to lift them out of their situation is to provide access to these services, to medical services, and to ensure, almost like banks have always been there to provide trust. So my view is if you can provide people trusted services, and if you can manage social contributions and um, conservation contributions in a responsible, efficient way, you can just reach so many more people. And I think that will ignite Africa's growth. And it will be, we will be able to uplift a lot of people out of these situations. Now, I want to follow up on another point that you made, and that is, can you just help us understand who the players are? I mean, there's obviously all these fantastic applications. You've given us great use cases so we can understand how blockchain can be utilized for social good. Um, and you've just helped us understand why Standard Bank would be involved in this. But who are the different you know, engineers or platforms or players? I understand that it's um, decentralized, but you know, sort of who are the people who, who make this happen? Yeah, so there's, there's multiple uh, blockchain solutions today. And I don't know if you know, but, but all of them are aiming to become carbon neutral. Some of them are already uh, carbon, very close to carbon neutral. It's like your next generation blockchains. But there's so many that to mention one or two, I'll mention a few, Algorand, Adira, uh, Cosmos, Ethereum, uh, that, that is a... a, a a decentralized public blockchain today, like the Bitcoin blockchain. Mm -hmm. But there are, there are many that are actually contributing to social good. Hyperledger Fabric, R3 Corda, um, to name a few. Okay. Uh, Quorum. Our central bank in South Africa, uh, and, and in Africa, has also used um, these blockchains or distributed ledgers to do central bank digital currencies. And some of the governments in Africa are utilizing uh, central bank digital currencies at this stage to also uh, look after the unbanked and the underbanked. Well, Ian, this has been a great discussion. Is there anything else that you think that um, our listeners need to know? Yes, yes. Um, a lot of people typically, I, I, I can, uh, the bank started recognizing the potential a while ago. And I've spoken to lots of people across the world that can really see that this is the new internet of value. And all I want to say to people is that it is a revolutionary technology. And a lot of people think it's a, a solution trying to find a problem. But the thing is, it's actually a paradigm shift. If you can understand that accounting and ledgers and transparency and accountability needs to be tracked and traced in real time, if someone make a decision, you should be instantaneously uh, possible to see that Ian Putter paid this money away that should have been used for social good. And I think people mustn't be threatened by this, but they must try and understand it to the extent that they can see the benefit that it can bring for us to create a more sustainable, uh, humane world where people's dignity 
are actually protected in a transparent manner. And where would you advise people to go if they want to learn more and follow up on this topic? Are there any online resources that you think would be useful for people to, um, to access? They can access, um, we've launched a website with BRI, the BRI, the, I'll, I'll give it to you, it's briafrica.org. Okay. They, they can go and look at that website. There are some uh, research available there, for instance, on stablecoins, um, what blockchains are, very specific use cases. And then um, today, you can actually just Google blockchain. Um, there are a lot of free training materials. One great um, course on, on, on permission blockchains is the, the IBM Blockchain Essentials course. It's for free. So if you go Google Blockchain Essentials, it will explain to you how ledgers used to look like and what a distributed ledger looks like and how it ensures real-time auditability, traceability, and immutability. All the terms will be clarified if you do that. It's a three-hour course. And then... Um, normal uh, uh, Coursera and even the Blockchain Research Institute offers um, um, great training. And for, for our members, uh, we provide uh, free access to some of these modules. So people are also, if they're very interested, they're very welcome to contact us and I will um, I'll guide them because there's just so many materials available. It's an extremely, uh, I want to say complex, but if you understand it, it's not that difficult. It's actually, once you recognize the paradigm shift, it's actually, it's almost, it, this is the next step. This is the fifth era that we're going in. I just want to repeat that website again, B as in boy or B as in blockchain research institute. So it's briafrica.org, briafrica.org. And that's the website that you run. Um, yes. And I think a very reliable source of information. Well, thank you, Ian, for sharing all of this with us. It's very exciting to think about the possibilities in the future. Some of it, I imagine, at one point in time, seems like it comes out of a science fiction magazine. And to think that we are here and that you can walk into Woolies and to understand every thing that has happened with your bag of spinach before it reaches you is, is a really um, powerful and futuristic uh, evolution and to know that the technology is here and we will be using it very soon is important for all of us to understand um, both at a macro and a micro level and in particular wonderful to know that there are people like you out there focusing on how this powerful technology can be used for social good so thank you very much for all that you shared with us today it's a pleasure thank you for listening